Welcome back to another episode of Ego Friendly, a podcast that promotes self-growth and positivity for listeners. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing the different types of mental health disorders and ways to seek help from mental health professionals during the COVID-19 season. As an introduction to the Mental Illnesses Awareness Series, MIAS for short, mental health issues often ranges from different types, um, some of which include sleep apnea, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, major depressive disorder, autism, to schizophrenia, including many more that affects individuals from different backgrounds and biological traits that differs from person to person. According to the DSM, there are approximately 20 disorders and 300 mental illnesses that are associated with the human condition. Out of the 300, most disorders and illnesses have no current remedy or solutions, such as Alzheimer's disease and schizophrenia that, can st- that are still being studied upon. Today, we'll be discussing two types of mental illnesses that include psychosis and schizophrenia and ways to seek help for those that are affected by including colleagues, friends, and your close loved ones. So let's start off with psychosis. What is psychosis? Psychosis is an abnormal condition of the mind that results in difficulties determining what is real and what is not real. It is simply what it means. Symptoms may include delusions and hallucinations. Other symptoms may include incoherent speech and behavior that is inappropriate for situations. There may also be sleep problems, social withdrawal, lack of motivation, and difficulties carrying out daily activities. Psychosis in adolescents specifically is a serious medical illness but is not very common. Some symptoms of psychosis include hallucinations, delusions, inability to concentrate, depression, sleeping too much or too less, losing bonds from families and friends, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, switching topics while talking, and paranoia. So what exactly are the root causes of psychosis? Let's start off with number one, drug usage. This is the main factor, I would say, of uh, psychosis specifically. Um, you know, sometimes there are a lot of situations in life where you unexpectedly, you know, find yourself, you know, um, in in the realm of, you know, using drugs, whether that's in, you know, a medical facility or it's in like a more um, outside level, right? Um, but that's definitely one of the biggest aspects that affects uh, people who are prone to getting psychosis as well. Another factor would be uh, psychosis. Of psychosis would be lack of sleep. Um, you know, one of the main symptoms of psychosis is actually like the the, the hallucinations, right? And sometimes the inability to concentrate and sometimes most of these uh you know symptoms share the same exact symptom as though you're kind of like losing sleep itself right hallucinations sometimes suicidal thoughts because of that lack of energy that lack of concentration that is not needed as well and includingly one of the symptoms is sleeping too much or sleeping too less, right? So that kind of lack of sleep can also play a big factor into your circadian rhythm and how much that kind of how much energy you're allocating to your day based off the amount of sleep that you're either sleeping too much or too little um, based off of that. 
um, also including uh, systemic illnesses. So you might have a mixture of other illnesses included as well, and maybe can share co-share symptoms and causes of that specific um, of that specific type of illness or disease itself. So some things like Parkinson's disease or Huntington's disease or cancer syndromes um, can also be a, can also may also affect um, or cause that uh, you know factor of psychosis as well um, there's also types of dementia as well which we uh, know as alzheimer's disease uh, hiv uh, epilepsy and stroke are also one of the main factors um, heredity can also play a big role as well right if you have if you know a loved one or a close um, relative of yours that um, have have been diagnosed with psychosis before there is a big very close chance that you might also be affected as well um also stressful events in life and stressful events in life does not mean like you know small day-to-day things that happen but it's something very crucial and something very traumatic and it builds up gradually over the time and the years that you live and almost like the people that you surround yourself with that can also play a big factor into you know you know things and symptoms like depression and suicidal thoughts that it's almost a concurrent in most symptoms of if you notice mental illnesses in the past as well and lastly structural changes in the brain so it can maybe be like brain tumors or things like that it can also in fact uh, affect how that works as well so that is almost kind of giving you more of like the biological and the scientific look of kind of how psychosis what psychosis is and the symptoms and causes of it now i would like to actually put your you into the shoes of a survivor of psychosis and um, we'll talk about the specific you know you know aspect of this person what they've been going through and you know putting ourselves into this this person's perspective to gain a better understanding of what it's like to have to be diagnosed with psychosis specifically and how it differs from other types of mental illnesses so i'll start off with the story of elizabeth just a little bit of background elizabeth is um a mother she's going to in this in this narrative for her she's giving she's going to give labor to her first child and because of that she also uh, experiences um post um this thing called postpartum psychosis and this aspect kind of changed the way she kind of viewed mental health, but also she also expresses about what it was like to be at that point where she gave birth, but how, what her experiences was like experiencing through that um, that stage of psychosis at that time. So I will be reading this verbatim. So I'll be reading the first few lines and then we'll definitely analyze how what she'd been through um, specifically. So here we go. It says, three days after the birth of my son, my first child, I was taken by ambulance to the local ER. I hadn't slept much in the past six days, three days of labor and three days of early postpartum recovery. I couldn't sleep even when the baby slept and started getting very anxious that I would roll on him in my sleep. I started having hallucinations, wanting to get my son baptized immediately in fear that something was going to go wrong. I then went to bed and ended up waking up and running to attack and yell at my husband, which I don't remember at all. I do recall the paramedics coming to my bedroom and I was completely confused and thought I was in labor again. Then on my ride to the hospital, I thought I was dying. They kept me in the ER for several hours and ended up discharging me with some Ambien antibiotics for a bladder infection and instructions to go home and sleep. So continuing on. Upon coming back home, I took the sleeping medication and tried to sleep in a separate room for my husband and child. 
I again had very scary hallucinations, thoughts that I was being sent to hell, and started screaming and running up the stairs to my house. Again, I took an ambulance to the hospital, and this time I ended up being admitted for 28 days, most of which I spent in the general mental health unit. The doctors didn't know what was wrong with me, I had no history of mental health problems, they ran multiple tests, two MRIs, an EEG, and spinal tap, none of which came back with any conclusive results. So I'll just stop it right here. So it's very interesting how she kind of displays like this uh, scenario that she's going through, right? So she just had her first child and she's trying to you know, like kind of understand what was going on at the time. So I'm guessing one of maybe some of the causes of her symptoms must have been like a very traumatic effect, right? So maybe like the, the giving labor to her child maybe played like a big role into like um, her kind of experiencing psychosis that could also affect that as well. It's also interesting that she also notes that there has been nobody in, in her family before, right? Um, has no history of mental health problems at all, right? So there is obviously no biological chances that she would at any stage of her life um, may have been may be diagnosed with psychosis as well um, and even after multiple tests whether it's in MRI scans or EEGs um, and the spinal tab there has not been any clear results about that as well right so although this is not confirmed yet and it will yet later be confirmed in the story we can tell that even things like psychosis and that kind of it gives us a better instant chance to understand that sometimes mental illnesses can also have non-displayable symptoms sometimes we might you know google search symptoms and be like okay this is what the set of symptoms are but some of them can also be unidentifiable until you actually get um you know help and you know go to mental health professionals and even through there you might not even finalize and realize if that's you know that set of is that certain set of illness or that specific illness is actually true and true to you and as well so sometimes the symptoms may play a little bit of a tricking game and you might not actually realize if you have it or not as well so that is Elizabeth's story. So she kind of you know, tells a lot about her, you know, just her hallucinations, um, experiencing about, um, you know, her uh, wanting her son to get baptized. She's always in fear of something, right? She actually, again, one of the uh, one of the characteristics of it, right, would be almost like yelling, attacking other people, right? Because your mind is constantly sort of clouded with, you know, I guess hallucinations and. Um, altered beliefs of other people and so she would go running and yelling and attacking her husband um, she also had a hallucination that she was being sent to hell she was screaming and running up the stairs so this this constant you see um, pattern that we see here with hallucinations and fear that she's going through right definitely a big thing that I would symbolize um, or actually kind of summarize psychosis as would be just like this the central fear that this person is going through because she doesn't know herself she doesn't know how to control herself at that specific stage right what could happen next time where she goes completely blank she's in that mode again where she has she's in that psychosis mode what could she do because she's kind of unaware at this point right this is definitely written at a time where she sat down calmly and she wrote it because she overcame that stage in life but at a specific time in that stage what can we do specifically to help sort of control or not really control because that would be like a very strong way to sort of uh, you know, care for someone that is being diagnosed with psychosis, but kind of like the warning signs that we can do to help uh, toll that from happening again. So, um, 
Now, the main trauma for many psychiatric survivor stories, and specifically with psychosis, is invalidation, right?、Uh, whether they're sharing, they want to share their close、um, thoughts and sort of like their hallucinatory、um, you know, ideas with other people. Other people will just downright reject them, right? You know, you're crazy. That's not correct, right? What do you mean? I did not see that, that image. Why did you see that image? How did you, how did you get into that image? And this again, is a very common, like, you know, just this common denial, right? That something is invalid or that, you know, that was wrong or, you know, I didn't hear that. There's almost like this, this almost like a problem that many people share and、um, specifically for these, you know, groups of people that are affected with. You know, any type of mental illnesses specifically, right? And that, down, that kind of tolls that, that their voices, closing down that communication that is so vital to, you know, gaining their trust and, you know, kind of understanding their experiences and voice specifically. And,、um, you know, and almost, you know, sometimes mental health facilities can do the best that they can to, you know, listen and gradually understand where, they're go- where these people,、um, you know, are, are coming from, where they're, what are, where they're experiencing, their symptoms and ways that they could be helped. But even though, even just a simple act of just trust, right?、Uh, trust of, you know, telling the truth, of, of, of telling the truth that can you understand, like, as a, as a second person, as an ear, as a、um, kind of like a left hand man, a right hand man, right? Can, can you understand or at least empathize a little bit of what I'm going through listening to that? Number two, just having the best interests at heart, right? Empathy, listening closely. And kind of three, just making like a sort of like a larger context and claim to. Like, what can you do to solve, right? Anything that can, can, can you connect to help、um, this person feel a lot more better, right? And you know, closing down these connections and communications can be very tough for everyone, but for psych- psychiatric people,、um, specifically survivors, it can be very difficult, specifically, to not have someone to listen to, right? So,、um, I guess a proposal,、uh, proposed kind of set of ways to seek help for those that are、um, experiencing psychosis would definitely be with you know, medications. I mean, these are like the, you know, the four suggested ways, and there's so many you know, different ways that can cater to different people as well. So, you t- do take this with a grain of salt. So, number one, many, many officials suggest medications, right?、Um, therapy, self care, and also nutrition as well. You can also、um, allude to the、uh, expertise of psych- psychology experts, right? Through psych- psychological examinations, which is basically a comprehensive evaluation done by gathering required information about this person and having a closer analysis of、um, their psych- psychiatric disorders. There's also behavioral analysis, which is basically identifying a person's behavior, observing it carefully, and there's sort of like an inner group of questions are basically being asked for this person. And this could be just basically like almost like a QA round where they, the, the, therapy, the therapist or the psychologist is basically asking that person, right?、Um, you know, what. You know, certain set of just strange questions and how this can basically lead closer to、um, kind of pinpoint the patterns that this person is experiencing and ways that they can better diagnose this person specifically. So, that is definitely like very important ways and、uh, that you can do to help those or at least aid those that are experiencing psychosis, right? But I think one of the best ways is definitely with listening, right? When talking to people with psychiatric like stories or like any type of like stories or survivors. Or even just like people that are wanting to share about their like psychosis experiences daily, 
you want to make sure that you hear their point of view, right? So you can ask them their, if you think that, um, you know, you're listening to them enough. You can ask very verify multiple times that they feel like their point of view is respected. And if you are the survivor, like teach people who help you um, how to do this, right? So don't worry with people who won't um also with communications as well right keep lines of communication strong and open um you know basically like you know whether it's in like you know an email right like i got your email like i understand i skimmed through this and i'll be ready to repeat and to meet with you on wednesday um or thanks for calling you know i will be able to talk to you in two minutes things like that can definitely have a stronger bond and it makes this person in the second line feel secured that they they have someone to you know share amplify the thoughts to um and disagreeing right this is really important i know disagreeing might not be a big um you know recommendation for these for this type of scenario because you do want to have empathy you do want to show that you're in the same line as that person but again disagreeing is another way to kind of form like this you know very like unified discussion right sometimes discussions doesn't have to be you know i agree with you you agree with me but sometimes it can also have you know general oppositions towards something as well and it shows it shows actually that you're actually listening to their beliefs and you have almost like counter beliefs of them but what matters is that you understood what they're saying and that you have your own ideas and values that you can bring to the table as well that is actually better than just ignoring their stories overall or ignoring their situations and just downright you know back just like yeah there's a difference between disagreeing like with respect but then there's disagreeing and just shutting that person down because of their trauma or their hallucination completely right so that is a big sort of line that you must draw when you are you know conversing or even trying to find a way to seek help for those who are in psychosis as well as you know uh, other alternatives for mental health right not just as labels and meds can also be you know different you know acupuncture exercise art work animal spiritualities gaining connections and everything right and you know getting access to like you know different activities and hands-on things that they can do can definitely help them really find different mediums and ways that they can express themselves and you know yeah like sharing their stories and you know listening and you know actively conversing with them whether it's in like you know complete foiling their beliefs or if it's complete um you know i agree with you and i understand what you're going through kind of scenario you're able to show that you're kind of listening to them at the at the end of the day so that would be my specific take on psychosis and now i move on to schizophrenia so schizophrenia is a mental illness characterized by continuous or relapsing episodes of psychosis. So it's almost like a, I guess a it's psychosis, but it, recur- it occurs frequently, I guess, um, is the best way to describe it. Major symptoms include hallucinations, so you might hear like voices in your head, delusions, your disorganized thinking. Other symptoms include social withdrawal decreased emotional expressions and apathy symptoms typically come in gradually so maybe it begins in young adulthood and in many cases it could also never resolve and it could continue later on to your adult years and further on there is no objective diagnostic test sadly so diagnosis is based on sort of like the observed behavior right so basically the person is going to be just analyzing 
what that person what that individual is going through their characteristics that day etc etc and also like a history that includes a person's report experiences and also the reports of their family members and other and others that are familiar with the person and in order to be diagnosed with schizophrenia you have to show specific set of symptoms and functional impairment need to be presented for six months um and also for that's the dsm-5 and also for one month which is from icd many people with schizophrenia have other mental disorders that often includes anxiety disorders such as panic disorders obsessive compulsive disorders ocd or a substance use disorder as well uh, first off, just to know a couple of things, there is a correlation between the different types. So from the certain set of data above, we see that there usually for mental health disorders, um, there's definitely like a list, right? There's often like almost like a mixture of like different disorders, like based on the symptoms, right, of different disorders, and it's be basically being pulled and pulled off of to like you know, um, you know, they basically like come frequently appears in different types of disorders so that you can see them repeated mostly most of the time right um they're associated with schizophrenia right we see panic disorder we see obsessive compulsive disorder and various anxiety disorders right so this person you know they might see that just simple small things they might get kind of weirdly kind of attracted to to the point where they'll definitely like point you out like you know like you know your tie is kind of crooked like i don't like that right and it's almost very strange and it's almost for the smallest thing that are very like minimal that these people kind of point out towards and most people who are associated with schizophrenia often face the misconception again just like psychosis definitely the misconception of being called crazy you're paranoid and these stereotypes are often associated with you know ocd where you're almost like i need this to be symmetrical and you know like this is already symmetrical enough but you kind of view it as like you know with ocd it's almost like you're kind of like constantly seeing the world through a different lens in a more like i guess structured and organized level that others might not view or see the same way as as well and their interpretations towards their environment society are completely different than um others um that are you know in that specific who have that specific disorder as well and the symptoms of schizophrenia may vary depending on the individual and and you know what they um frequently in their environment specifically right so uh symptoms may include illusions hallucinations and illusions agitation flat uh effect which is basically the lack of emotional expression or detachment disordered thinking inappropriate reactions phobia and lack of pleasure or interest in activities so what I notice here is a constant pattern is like this constant detachment that this person's going through, right? Um, maybe, I mean, it might be like a very, they have a very like emotional kind of like, uh, kind of, uh, how would I say this? Emotional kind of impediment where they're not like kind of used to reacting to the right type of way, the right way that most people for a certain for a specific scenario would right that kind of lowers their reaction time they're kind of like their the way they sort of like react to different situations as well um and it could also be based off of their disordered thinking right because that type of like constant right, hallucinations and delusions and different uh elements that play into their mind and that kind of like sort of clouds it it kind of affects their judgments as well and specifically their emotional expression uh, which then leads to inappropriate reactions or you know lack of you know react lack of 
you know, reactions in that specific timing, some type of phobia as well, and then obviously detachment. Um, some causes that kind of play a big and important role in schizophrenia includes brain chemistry. So yes, heredity do play a very big factor for schizophrenia. Um, so, uh, so what is brain chemistry? So brain chemistry is an abnormal functioning, basically an abnormal functioning of neurotransmitters such as dopamine um, can cause schizophrenia. Schizophrenia basically um, a very good, um, just a weird amount of. Um, strange uh i guess aspect of the neurotransmitters and their functions can affect that as well so the brain chemistry can also play a big role in that uh heredity also plays another big role as well schizophrenia tends to run in families so if a per if a parent has the disorder the offsprings are likely to be susceptible to that disease or illness um, abnorm abnormality in their brain, so abnormality such as shrinkage in the brain can also cause schizophrenia as well, um, along with complications during pregnancy and birth. So, um, kind of we going back to like Elizabeth's story and psychosis, right? It's very interesting how you know during pregnancy and birth, and even afterwards, you might also be prone to getting a lot of you know can, might be prone to being diagnosed with some form of um, some form of uh, some type of mental illness specifically right so that would also be a big factor that um, is also going to be a causation of schizophrenia right so chances of a child that can also affect the chances of a child getting schizophrenia that are likely to be increased by either infection or malnutrition during pregnancy and complications during birth such as brain injury so that also plays another big role as well some complications that um, of schizophrenia that uh really uh you know, occurs frequently in a pattern would be depression, suicidal thoughts, self-injury, alcohol or drug abuse, inability to work, social isolation, and aggressive behavior, right? Uh, a lot of people, you know, will see someone else in, the, in, their, in their face as, you know, someone that, maybe their mother, their own mother, they might see them in the very, very negative light, and they might also be, um, you know, saying a lot of, just shunning them specifically, right? Uh, treating them aggressively. We see in Elizabeth's story where she is basically, you know, you know, harming, almost like, kind of like physically abusing her husband whether it's through like um you know expressing her anger or it's through um whether it's through uh, you know kind of yelling at her husband and shouting at her husband right that kind of verbal abuse that's happening as well right and also that can also be a combination that can be used can be linked with a schizophrenia as well and that's your aggressive behavior um self-injury is another big one as well you might just look at yourself one day and you may do very strange things to yourself like self-injury yourself and that can also be in itself um a, a the, the the complications to that specific mental illness and that can also be linked to depression and also suicidal thoughts as well right you're not good enough you're not you're not you know somehow making the most clear uh you know thoughts and you know attributions as you would play you would want to be or you want to show yourself and why is it that you know this person is treating me so negatively and you know because of that kind of jaded thought and jaded light that this person is being sort of controlled into and and how that and and because of that they're they're 
their thoughts are wired to just basically like you know this i'm this person's my enemy this whole world is my enemy and i should i myself and the outcast i am put down because of that and because of that they develop things such complications such as depression suicidal thoughts and because of that they have any some form of self-injury and alcohol or drug abuse so it is very important to keep a very close watch you know or like like a, like a close watch it's very like schizophrenia people with schizophrenia are kind of tricky because sometimes they don't really like having authority at looking at them most of the time you see someone looking at you they might you might they might get you know paranoid they might get you know, why is this person looking at me right are they you know are they you know secretly aggressive what it was you know what i mean so having this almost like you know, like non-authoritative, but still kind of looking out for this person and observing them. That's also a plays a big factor as well. So, um, schizophrenia is again still in the research. It's still in, um, you know, with uh, although you can seek medical help and f- professional help from s- psychology experts. Um, you know, there are a lot of emotional and uh, almost like ingrained factors that can also be very tricky to sort of fully heal which is very much not the case for most illnesses for right now um and that is what we're gonna talk about specifically in um one of our stories that's coming up really soon so at first i do want to quote um uh literally just just literally just a comment about schizophrenia from someone um and it says uh what it took me forever to recover from schizophrenia was having people who believed in me and who did not give up on me Their belief and love for me encouraged me to believe in myself so I could have the patience to heal slowly over the several years with the help of steady, continued medical treatment. Their love and confidence in me gave me a reason, the strength to try and endure the emotional pain and social stigma of having schizophrenia. And this person's absolutely right, right? The love and the confidence and just letting them just be alone, just finding time to heal um it's also important as well and you know schizophrenia happens a lot to many american citizens but not a lot of people are aware that they have it specifically right and it kind of plays in the fact that it's almost like a social stigma and just like for any other mental illness that's a form of social stigma that is not being addressed specifically and it's not you know seen quite uh respectfully or you know well as you know other um and just for anything compared to any other thing specifically right when you're kind of diagnosed with any type of mental illnesses you're just seen as you know kind of off and very different from other people or that you know so i will be sharing a story a recovery story so a kind of like a survivor story of schizophrenia from jess so i will be sharing just a little bit of just a little fragment of what she she goes through and um basically this is about her mother who was basically uh basically uh you know who basically she basically wednesday she goes to the therapist and basically she gets diagnosed with schizophrenia and how um her mom is going to be coping with that specifically having a daughter with schizophrenia and how she's going through that as well and it's oh it's very important you know to hear from a spectator side from a parent side of what it's like to have your kid having schizophrenia and how she's going to deal with it along with her kids emotions through that aspect as well right so i'll be reading that right now it says my name is jess and my stories begins at the age of 12 during this time in my life i had searched for new friends and opportunities in the world around me 
It was late evening when a neighbor, teenager, and some of our friends gathered around to smoke what he called a joint, and he assured me that I would feel better than I've ever felt before as we passed around a joint of marijuana. After that, I was hooked. Thirty next three days, I mean three years of my life, I had been a regular marijuana smoker, and my brother was would always have a new type of weed to bring home and share. And on some occasions, I have a batch that tasted funny or didn't make me feel right. I remember putting my head down a lot in the ninth grade. It was not normal for me. I began to feel as though I could perceive others with new, with a new, somewhat psychic ability. I began to feel as though I could understand others in a more advanced way through body language and behavior. However, it was also during this time, at the age of 15, that I began to feel much more anxious and depressed. I told my mother that I think I need some antidepressants or something because I don't feel right or normal. My mother tried St. John's warts, which did not work at all. However, my mother eventually took me to the psychotherapist who told my mother that I had schizotypal personal personality disorder, which may later develop into schizophrenia. My mom's life now had now changed. She knew what schizophrenia was and I did not. She began to change her feelings towards me in a different manner than her typical love and care. She had began to keep a distance and make me do activities on my own. When I would express my dreams and goals in life, she would not pay any attention. She had assumed I would grow up to be another embarrassing psycho schizo and at the same time, I did not even know what the word schizophrenia meant. Therefore, I began to take care of myself almost completely independently. My mother remarried and we moved to another town. I had my own upstairs, room upstairs, and the new lack of love and care for my parents would change my actions and behaviors. I isolated myself in order to finish high school and I planned to move out, and I did. I eventually graduated high school and shortly thereafter, my parents would push me to get a job. My stepdad would try to charge me rent and stay there and a stress had began getting to me. I began to hallucinate, hearing voices, visioning UFOs, feeling like a robot, talking to other people in my mind like ESP, and at that same time, my social life had been shattered. Everyone knew I was unacceptably odd. I was taken to a psychiatric hospital for treatment. Upon arrival at a mental hospital, I had been appalled. I had abhorred these situations. My life felt ripped apart. The doctors had injected me strange substances and I had swallowed a cocktail of pills several times a day. At the same time, I feared my entire social life had vanished. I felt that all I had was myself and my illnesses and that no one cared for me nor would help. The doctor said that this was a permanent and genetic mental illness that would never go away and I would need medication for the rest of my life. As I sat there, full of tranquilizers, unable to speak, nor to defend myself, facing my two parents like a vegetable who showed little concern, this continued for four weeks until my release into a homeless shelter. So I'll just stop it right here right now. There's so many things to like break down off of, um, you know, her life story specifically. And it seems like, you know, unlike the, you know, you know, it seems like there's a constant pattern here with people that are being diagnosed with some type of mental illness is that it's the isolation, right? Even if you're just close to your family, they're going to act very strange towards you, right? I need to act very differently from her. I need to show, I need to, in order for, to protect my safety as well, to order to protect my sanity, my mental health and as well, right? So you see that this person is definitely, you know, solo in this journey of hers, right? 
and you know whether her if her mom like she knew specifically that her daughter is diagnosed with schizophrenia but she kind of kept the distance as well right so at this stage you might realize like what would you do specifically you're in that mother's shoe you're in you know her shoes Jess's shoes specifically what would you specifically do and we also see that you know this person also had an earlier kind of uh introduction to the uh, to smoking, smoking marijuana, and as well, so that can also play a big role, right? Drugs and different types of, um, I guess, psychedelics that can affect their, you know, early, I guess, I guess, exposure and almost like symptoms of psychosis as well, right? It can also be, we can't guess, but we can definitely say that we can guess and say that uh, this person might also have, might in some cases be. Uh, have a relative that has schizophrenia right but we might not know specifically right so that can also be another factor as well um the genetic aspects of it as well she also talks about hallucinations right again almost very close schizophrenia is very close psychosis but her types of this her type of you know way her type of i guess symptom is repeated psychosis right she sees repeated images of ufos and aliens and other hallucinations that are very different from other people she even recognized that she was somehow odd and because of that it almost seems very you know very different um as well right and she felt sort of like ostracized from society from other people right and this almost becomes apparent when she goes to the mental hospital where she's injected tranquilizers and you know she has to drink a lot of pills and that uh, just kind of shows that you know this constant lifestyle of just you know pills and drugs and other you know psycho like you know other psychedelics and you know this person's definitely you know i guess ch chained to this right which her doctor states is like a permanent genetic illness that she will have to take medication for the rest of her life which is a very very depressing thing considering that you know there's no you know, way that there's a quick treatment there's no quick treatment at all and you know it's gonna have to be um processed and um followed for the rest of her life so that is uh, a little bit of an intake on you know her specific viewpoint as well and I greatly empathize with that specific perspective as well for Jess. So, um, so now I will talk about kind of leading into uh, suggested ways to seek or at least try to find help, right? So, I mean, the way that Jess' story is being modified is through these stories is through the aspect of you know going to a mental health facility and getting that but it almost seems boxy right it almost seems like you know i mean that's definitely a very professional way to seek help and i highly encourage that as well right but it almost seems very boxy and there's almost like no emotional sort of attachment to it right her parents are both sort of detached from the situation as well she has no one to kind of guide guide her towards you know some form of uh, solace or you know any type of way to share thoughts but it's almost like this fear that kind of evokes if the if one person were to do that um so it's almost like a tricky situation to find um, common ground in between specifically and even that in that environment that she's kind of living in the mental health facility right you're constantly kind of, being, kind of being stored to a cubicle where you're almost like you know like a test subject right you're basically like given like you know this certain set of like uh, pills for one day your meals and this and that you sleep there and you know that's kind of how society is you're not kind of functioning like how a normal, normal human being would right and 
I guess this is almost like kind of talking about just even like the mental health facility system, right? And how it should have some some liability towards you know emotions and ways that someone can share their thoughts and everything besides and counseling besides just the frequent visits from the psychologist and just checking boxes right so that's definitely a way but psych psychiatrists uh those who are specialized in the branch of medicine are concerned with diagnosis and treatment mental illnesses can also play a big role in uh you know at least helping aid and guide that person um through to heal from that process um also a psychologist as well a health professional that basically a health professional that can also um you know talk about the mental processes behind that as well right but as for now there is sadly no form or no way that schizophrenia can be cured besides like just you know different types of psychedelics and you know, kind of types of not psychedelics but drugs and pills sort of set out um in order to sort of ease that that settlement um into for that person specifically so yeah right that's just a story so hope you enjoyed this episode and um i'll see you next time